The topics discussed during this podcast can be triggering and upsetting to some viewers. Seeing as on the show, we discuss a wide variety of distressing material. Each episode will vary with the topic stated in the title. We use adult language, therefore parental guidance is advised. Although situations that are discussed can be unpleasant and frankly quite scary, we are using them to educate ourselves and others. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a 19-year-old second-year psychology student. Hi, I'm Patrick. I'm also 19 and I'm a second-year physics student. Welcome to the Move to the Left podcast. This week, we're covering women. The topics we want to discuss include a range of problems and we have two different sides to the issues, seeing as I may have had first-hand experience with everything that we'll discuss and Patrick has a viewpoint of a bystander. Well, and also, I will admit, sometimes I've done things wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's quite difficult when you sort of realise that you've done stuff wrong as well. Mm-hmm. And because um, obviously, like I personally have never had like negative intentions. You know, I'm like I'm like an, an annoying hippie, peace and love, all good vibes. And um, yeah, I think it's quite important that men are more educated on sort of the impact of what they do and stuff. So there'll be an aspect to that as well. Yeah. Uh. So firstly, I want to touch upon the term "teach your daughter to defend herself." Mm. It shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. It is teach your son to respect people. Teach mm-hmm. your son not to be a rapist, not to abuse women, and not to see themselves as better or superior, you know? Uh, there's That's not to say that girls shouldn't know things, <laughs> but it's also the fact that if you educate your children, they'll... Yeah, well, I, like, I've literally just got back from doing safeguarding training where I work, and um, I think there should be safeguarding done at schools. Because I did actually do safeguarding and training at college, but that's only because I was a member of the student union and I had lots of students who would talk to me, so I had to know what to do if there was an issue. But when you look at a lot of um, like things that not I've experienced but I've witnessed, is that it starts off as something very, very innocent and someone with literally no, um, no negative intentions at all, and it develops into something worse, and that's that would stop and that wouldn't happen yeah. if um, if people were educated and if people knew that actually these different things could have a negative impact. Because it is a lot of stuff that is seemingly, you know, a teacher giving a child a hug could be the start of a child then, um, you know, wanting more hugs, wanting more affection that can lead to something wrong, even though obviously there is nothing, you know, a child maybe did really well at a football game and the teacher who's also their cult coach gave them a hug to say well done and um obviously like they've not done anything wrong there but it can lead to something and just purely knowing that that can lead to something can stop it mm. yeah i had a level two counseling uh like course in college and one of the main things that we were taught is to never give your patients a hug Mm. because you can create you can you dampen that barrier between patient and psychologist mm. or counselor or whatever and you can't go on that actually um and yeah i think that just shows that obviously um they say you know it's to do with teaching your daughter whatever it is just to do with teaching men or well, no, it's to do with teaching everyone because obviously girls can do things wrong so can boys of course yeah so can women so can men so it's education altogether but obviously most of it is 
directed towards women so that's why it's often the rhetoric is teach the man or no teach the daughter when really it should be just teach everyone mm-hmm. you know to be respectful yeah so i also want to touch upon the fact that don't teach your daughter or whoever is in your life that's a young girl that if a boy is being mean to her he likes her mm-hmm. you know um it's it's not actually right. to be fair i remember being a kid and having it the other way and having people um teachers mm-hmm. say to me that girls are doing like doing stuff because mm-hmm. they're like but obviously it's fucking just a load of crap isn't yeah. it it's just ridiculous kids a little shit sometimes yeah. you know it's not to say that they they're bullying someone else because they and like them. that plays into you know when people say about um th- this is a bit of a sidetrack mm-hmm. but um you know when people say like oh don't teach my children about gay sex you know because they're too young to learn but then they're straight away going oh you know th- this is two kids oh that that boy is doing it yeah. because he fancies her. Do you or, know what I mean? Or like, or like the whole don't push homosexuality onto my child and then go, is that your girlfriend? Yeah, exactly. So they're just straight up just doing that stupid, yeah. hypocritical thing. Um, Pat, what did you want to say about what you saw the other day about how men treat women? I mean, so I'm going to put a bit of backstory here. So where I might, I've mentioned this like every time we've spoken, but where my dad wasn't around, I, um, I grew up with mostly women, and um, that I think that led to me picking up a lot more of what went on around me, and um, it's just like little things, like there are so many guys that will just sit there and sort of like touch up a girl, and just not think of anything of it, Yeah. and I think it's, it's just it's bizarre that it's such a sort of, because like the other day one of my, um, I know someone who was hanging out with someone and they were like oh yeah he was like touching me up saying it to a girl and then they were like yeah i know he just does that and it's like what he just it, it, does it's that. how normalized it yeah. is and the fact that there's no consequences for that and i think i think it's difficult as well though because there does deserve to be consequences but mm. like if someone stops and genuinely becomes a better person changes it shouldn't like stop their future and their pro so it is a really difficult because obviously if someone's done something really bad then it should but if it's like you're young you know you're a teenager and because you are still learning really aren't you and it's it's such a difficult um just it's such a difficult thing to navigate really because there's always going to be people that will disagree with you and it is something that people will be so passionate about like in terms of racism it's like you know obviously there's different cultures and whatever and different people will feel more passionate about it than others even when you see when black people stand up and say well no that doesn't really happen and then all of the racist people flock to them do you know what i mean and it's, i've seen that a lot yeah, yeah it's so difficult to navigate these kind of difficult um conversations and these difficult topics because it's like you know like boris johnson he's prime minister and he was race like very openly racist and it's mm-hmm. like if he turned around and he acknowledged that and he um really changed then he would deserve it but i don't think he deserves it because of just how horrible he was and that's i think that should be the same with most things but then when it comes to this topic and men treating women badly Mm. like sort of at what point is it that you need to say right like 
you're cancelled. Do you know that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This whole like cancel culture, obviously, we're seeing a lot of that online right yeah, now. Yeah, like Shane Dawson. Shane stuff. Dawson and Jeffrey Star. Oh, careful. Yeah. <laughs> Might need to bleep that out <laughs> just in case they send us like a, yeah, <laughs> a lawsuit. Because I, I don't think that cancel culture is the right way to do it. No, because straight not. away, they're I one hundred percent I can tell you that they're going to be suicidal right now because they have a whole group. Yes. Attacking them. But what do they do to James Charles? Do you know what I mean? It's like they yeah, literally drove him to, yeah, to suicide exactly. just to get rid of a competitor, which is literally what Shane said. Mm. All right. So um, the UK. I want to touch upon girls' periods in the UK first. Uh, girls obviously know about their periods and they know what they are, albeit not to the full extent. <laughs> and they, like, sanitary products are widely available. But... We obviously have to pay for them. What is the case of women and teenagers who can't afford them? So uh, we have homeless people. We have people who don't have enough income. People who can, you know, people on like free school meals and stuff. Refugees. That, refugees. All these people that rely on, say, benefits or something, uh, or free school meals to feed their families, you know. They're working for minimum wage and they're the only person working in that family. What about the girls who... Take young, care, carers. young carers yeah. you know <clears throat> and um, this isn't to say that only girls have periods um but this is an episode on women so i will be referring to periods in the sense of a woman but i do want to iterate that not only women have periods in the sense of uh gender identity yes and yeah stuff. uh which we'll be covering yeah. as well so um right so uh Fem feminine hygiene products are a ridiculous price. Ridiculous. I mean, uh, I know that my, um, like, a box of tampons is something like £4 for 20 You know, that will last me two days. When me, I, personally. If, if I've ever been asked to get them, I'm always like, what? Like, yeah, <laughs> th yeah. this must be a joke. Yeah, yeah. And that is because of the tampon tax. And that has only recently been agreed to be taken off. The fact that it was even a thing in the first place, it's it's a 5% um, luxury tax, it's called. Because it is apparently a luxury to have... So it's like what you would get on shoes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's apparently a luxury to have uh, resources to take care of it's something that you didn't ask for. <laughs> it's like putting a bed and, I don't know, a car in the same category. It's exactly. just not comparable, it is no. it? Uh, so... With a more in-depth definition, tampon tax is feminine hygiene products being subjected to value-added tax or sales tax, also luxury tax, unlike other products that are considered basic necessities that are tax-exempt. You know, this is like men's razors, men's shaving cream. I mean, a women's shaving cream, I saw this, and this was at, and I don't want to name and shame at all, but I saw it in one of those um, health, health and beauty stores, uh, a woman's shaving cream was three quid and a men's was a pound. Mm. You know? I mean, that could play into the fact that men literally don't give a shit what they put on their face half the time. It but could. But it's I'm going to make know. the assumption that's not the case. It's not, no. And and even things like women's razors um, like more blunt sometimes. Mm. Like I know... Yeah, I know most women use men's... Men's razor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Men's razors. Um, so... I wanted to, to touch upon this uh, like availability of feminine hygiene products to, to girls, at least in the UK, and my experience with it. My uni has actually started uh, to do like baskets in their women's toilets. 
uh, wear. We have tampons, we have pads, we have like the, a whole range of sizes and everything. And they also give uh, free condoms to go with it. I don't know if yours does that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Obviously, there's nothing that did, I. Was into. there no like news in, in the uni? Because there might have been. It wouldn't surprise me if it was something they already had because mm-hmm. they're quite a like forward thinking uni. Mm-hmm. But um, there's nothing I know of. But obviously, that's just because I've never looked into it. Yeah. Okay. And I also wanted to 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 mention that my college used to do that as well. It kind of started as I left and. It was just a basket in the uh, girls' toilets where there'd be pads, tampons, and that was all that there was in college. And you could actually put your own in as well. I'm pretty sure if, mine did that. Yeah, if, if, you had, um, if you had too much or if you were at the end of your period and you didn't quite need it, you'd Some give it to someone indeed. Some workplaces do that as well. Yeah, exactly. Really quite a lot of, I know, schools will have it in the staff mm-hmm. room and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't think it should be like like we have, have those dispensers. Mm. in public toilets i don't think it should be something that we also have to pay for you know mm. it's not your fault if your period comes a day early a well, day late and like i've been with you know just out and about with girls mm-hmm. and like when their friends will run up to them and be like oh have you got one because yeah. i don't want to go and buy yeah. it like, do you know it's mm-hmm. just that shouldn't be the way that they have to deal with it exactly it's sort of it's like if you ran into a shop and you were like i need a plaster if they had some, they'd probably just give you one. Mm-hmm. But like, exactly. why? Why isn't it the same mm-hmm. with a tampon? And at our school, I know that um, every like there was I think three instances where I forgot, or or I just didn't like calculate when my when my period was coming, and I had to ask the like the, the medical person for it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how to refer to them, uh, and they'd give me like like a towel, not like an actual towel. It's called a towel, but it's not even like a proper pad, you know. Uh, so that would that wouldn't and this is a bit TMI, mm. but uh, it wouldn't absorb anything, and I'd have to like go home and get changed. I can't mm. tell you the amount of times I had to go home and get changed mm. because of it. Uh, regardless, uh, I wanted to say that everywhere around the whole world, same in America, same in any country, is the fact that we are given an education about it, but it's made out to be too scientific in the sense of not all children. Or, uh, or however old you are when you learn about menstruation, you don't know. Well, to about... the point that it seems intimidating, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. And, and I don't want periods and menstruation and all that to, to, to be treated like taboo, you know. It's like mm. it's something you can't talk about. Personally, in terms of education, <clears throat> I didn't know what a period was or what met the menstruation cycle was until I actually researched it myself. Um, you know... I used an app. I use an app to help me track my cycle, and th- that app actually gave me the education that my school should have. You know, in school, sex education was how to put a condom on for twenty minutes. You know, you remember? I remember it being part of the biology curriculum because there was a chance it would come up on the GCSE. I remember I was so bad at it that I just went fuck it. I'm not going to revise this and just hope it doesn't come up. I was lucky enough that it didn't. But I shouldn't have been in a position where I could go, ah, whatever, I'm not going to learn about that. Yeah. Because it's something I should know about because I, everybody is related to women. I don't know what your lessons were like about uh, menstruation and the menstruation cycle, but mine was uh, a male teacher reading out of a book, Mm. word for word, not even looking at the class. Yes, it was uh, one of the older male teachers as well. Um, And, you know... It was literally word, word word for word reading out of a book, and that's all I knew, you know? Because obviously there was the sex education that was purely <coughs> sex education, then there was a part that was part of biology, 
Um, did, sorry, can I just interrupt? Did you even think that that sex education actually gave you anything? The first three of the four lessons were drawing an outline of one of the people there and adding hair, where most of us had already gone mm, through puberty, you know? Yeah. It, no, the sex <laughs> education is completely wrong. They need to talk about things like um, uh, men and like... Because mm-hmm. obviously both male and female get urges, but yeah. it's a lot stronger for men. And not once while learning about sex did anyone turn around to the group of guys and go, you will get these urges, mm-hmm. but you need to control it properly. Exactly. It's, it's the education. And literally just saying that could have made such a difference. And I don't think that they should be divided by gender at all. Uh, I think they should initially and then sort of ease into it. Because I maybe. think you know how younger people act. They will act yeah. up. Of course. So I think just to break the ice, maybe split... Maybe, and then, but I do think there should be like a no nonsense teacher. Let's say that teachers. Yeah, no, it shouldn't to... be. A, it should never be a teacher no. from the school. It should be a third party. I think so. Everything because you can't really discuss something like that with kids when you know them. Yeah. Because, because they will take the piss. Exactly, but I don't think that they should be separated because if you're uh, learning about these new urges that you're feeling and all this sex and then all menstruation and whatever. I think you should be with women, especially from the teach your son's perspective. Mm. Because if you if they're te- if they're learning, it does almost give it like context. Doesn't yeah, it, if they're learning about respecting women and the women are mm. sat next to them, do you really think they're going to be there giggling? I know, mm. like <clears throat> some of the people we went to school with, I couldn't really oh, imagine sitting in a. Definitely that would though. Yeah, I couldn't imagine sitting in a classroom with them because I know that they. They'd be rude and they'd, they'd laugh about But maybe they things. wouldn't have been if it was that At that age, at that age. But if, if it was changed, yeah, I mean, mm. they're amazing people now, you know. But um, yeah, maybe, we were all kids, you know. Yeah, maybe they would have been different kids yeah. back then. And there, was, and there was the whole thing of, like, uh, like giggling when we had, had the whole how to put a condom on for the last lesson. Mm. But even that, well, our teacher spoke for so long that we just had a five-minute well, thing. The, um, the people teaching it usually find it a bit funny as well. Exactly, so that's not really good. Have some, like, (laughs) you know. Because we're not going to... And even when they start talking, when they start doing sex education, in, like, year four or whenever it is you first do it, it's bizarre because they do make a whole... They make such a big thing about it Mm -hmm. that no wonder there's such a taboo around things like periods and whatever. Because the teachers, when they're teaching it, will... It just needs to be sort of merged into education like everything you know treat it like a math lesson just sit there and talk about it and then there won't be this stupid taboo around it precisely yeah uh i wanted to move on to periods in africa right now and uh period poverty so uh what it is it's obviously period poverty doesn't just exist in africa like i said you know, here people might not be able to afford mm. these products and stuff. Um, but, you know, needing the facilities to have a shame-free and, and, a, and a sanitary and, and, you know, like a, I don't know, like a personal experience mm. with that period is you, you need the facilities for that. But obviously people in Africa or girls in Africa don't always have that. Uh, actually, one in ten girls uh, in Africa will miss school because of their period, because of that shame, because, you know, they don't know what it is. There's a lack of education as well about it. Well, you know, actually, one thing, just going back to education, mm-hmm. and I know this is quite prevalent in um, 
African, like the not the lot a lot less developed places. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of the hymen breaking and the blood from that. Yeah. Because obviously it can heal and break multiple times, mm-hmm. but um, or it can break when you're riding a horse and it won't heal. And there's a real thing in even England, but especially third world countries, mm-hmm. about how that um, girls will get sort of not like treated unfairly because mm-hmm. say they're a virgin they're having sex for the first mm-hmm. time and the hymen doesn't break because either the person's dick is too small <laughs> or um it's already happened in because you can do it you know riding a motorbike or whatever yeah. and i think that's an important part of the education obviously it's a not the same as periods but it, it, can... it it's removing the stigma yeah it definitely is and uh, obviously there's the whole aspect of uh, female genital mutilation as well mm. um but that's a whole different um, topic, you know, that we are, we're not going to be covering today. But um, no girl uh, or, or woman or anyone should be held back because of their period, you know. Um, so, actually, Action Aid works with girls um, around the world. And they, through donations and, you know, sponsoring a child, they'll distribute uh, sanitary kits uh, to them. So that has, like, some... Uh, baby wipes it has some pads some tampons you know and especially now during the coronavirus pandemic um they're also helping with that and periods during the pandemic you know and they're not only helping in africa but here as well i mean the other day i was actually going to the shops and someone was they're not homeless but they were um asking for money for rent you know because of how much unemployment has been gone down now and not everyone getting furloughed blah 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 but going back to this is I think that everyone should educate themselves on period poverty and maybe if you have enough money sponsor a child I think it's 65p a day uh it can be a one-off time it can be multiple times but I do think that you should definitely educate it shouldn't be down to individual citizens should it to do stuff like this there should be stuff set up where because I know Obviously, you know, the British government is there for Britain, blah, blah, blah. But we are in a very fortunate position, a very Mm. fortunate country where we could afford to not only provide it to people in poverty in our country, but Mm. we could also support people in poverty in different countries. And there's no reason not to. It's just... Yeah. It's just stupid. Exactly. And the thing is, ActionAid also works with uh, boys, schools, governments... To educate about period poverty and to end it as well. I also wanted to touch on that thing that I said about girls missing um, school. Uh, missing days at school can mean that, especially in Africa, uh, these that the, these are the statistics from from there, and, and especially in Rwanda, uh, they can drop out altogether even if they miss a day of school. But that puts them at risk of child marriage mm. and having children really early, and you know, not having that education just because of well, a period mean, happening one day in know? general school is such a um valued and important thing over there because there are so you know you see the things on children need and whatnot of them walking just miles and miles to get there yeah and it's that's what that's what they do because of how valued it is there but mm. we have the luxury and the privilege of going oh i can't be bothered to go to school today i mean i am guilty of this myself like even last year last last uni year like oh I can't be able to go in today. Oh, the PowerPoint's going to be up, you know, I can catch up. Okay, so I also wanted to touch about how period poverty can be a very big thing in America. 
uh, not to exclude them, you know, but I feel like the UK and uh, America may have very similar experiences Yeah. Uh, in the sense of, you know, uh, period products are widely available, but at, at a ridiculous charge or, or, or not widely available and to I some think, people. Like if you say about it in Africa, mm. people will, they won't question it. They'll be like, oh yeah, you know, they, but if you say about it in England, they're like, well, surely not. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just want to reiterate the fact that it's Action Aid that do this, and you can go on their website and sponsor a child and stuff. But the links to their website will be given as well. Um, moving on to Planned Parenthood. Do you know anything about Planned Parenthood? I know that the um, the very far right wing people go and shout at the buildings of Plan- Planned yeah. Parenthood. Uh, so Planned Parenthood are a non-profit organisation and they produce reproductive health care in the United States and actually globally as well. Uh, the likelihood of you hearing about them would have been within the USA though. Yeah. And obviously uh, there's a fixation amongst the far right people mm. that are, they only provide abortions and they kill babies and you know, there's calls and petitions and movements to defund them and get rid of them. And there's all these protests. And I don't know if you've seen that video of that guy who was uh, pro-life and he was trying to rip up the pro-choice poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a well, lot of that. And it that's... just It's one of those things that is just an evidence of how beautifully ignorant they are exactly. about it. Because yeah. all, all you need to do is like very briefly read mm. their website and you'll see, oh no, they're not baby murderers. Yeah. This <laughs> literally took me... Five minutes to compile everything I'm going to be talking about and how yeah. much they do and how much amazing work they do. Uh, and I do just want to say, with their the far-right mentality, I mean, surely if you don't look at what Planned Parenthood that is doing, they're not going to be doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, exactly. You stop testing, then you get this coronavirus. Exactly. That's, um, that is the mindset. Um, if these people who, who protest outside Planned Parenthood, who shout at women when they say they're literally just going in to, to get STD tested and they're being shouted at that they're baby killers, you know, and that they're funding these people. And if they actually took a minute to research it, they'd know that they offer a huge amount of services that I'm going to list now. Well, so they do. Just one go. second. If you, um, you know, if you take their standpoint, which is pro-life, You'd have thought pro-life would involve things like peace and acceptance and whatnot. Exactly. Because if you're pro-life, you should be pro-people. Mm. Yeah. But um, for some reason, screaming and bullying and, you know, turning up with, like, I've seen it before. They've just stood outside and blocked the entrance with guns. Like, it's bizarre. Mm. And how can you be pro-life and then threaten someone with a gun? Exactly. It just, it does genuinely make me want to rip my eyeballs out mm. and just eat them. Okay. <laughs> um... I mean, all these people, before I go and list what Planned Parenthood did, I just want to uh, mention as well that these people will go there and they'll shout and abuse these women so much that Planned Parenthood have actually had to set up escorts to mm. and from their cars. Well, and I've seen stuff where they've had to do, like, unmarked buildings and stuff. Or they've had to, like... Mm. I think I saw something where they had to, like, rent out, like, a hall to avoid the protest. Exactly. It's bizarre. Exactly. That might not be right, but I think... I've no, but it. yeah, exactly. And I, I've seen heartbreaking videos well, of this. And the fact woman... that what I just said is believable, even if I'm wrong. The Precisely. fact is believable. But, that's because, why. exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I saw this heartbreaking video of this woman who had just had an abortion. 
and there was not a reason given for it. You could tell she was distraught about it. Mm. She had to have her face covered mm. and an escort with her. And yeah, it's her almost like her car. Um, when you see celebrities and paparazzi, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Tre- and it's that whole, like, it's like a pack of wolves, isn't it? Just going at this one person. Mm-hmm. So what do Planned Parenthood do? They offer STD testing and treatment. They offer birth control, women exams and... Uh, cancer screening, prevention, they do offer abortion, but they also offer hormone therapy and fertility services like IVF and, you know, testing to see if you've, you're infertile. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it was for IVF, so... Exactly. You know, and they do, uh, they do general health care as well. Uh, they uh, do long-acting reversible contraception, emergency contraception, breast examination, cervical cancer screenings, pregnancy testing, pregnancy options counselling... They do prenatal care, testing and treatment for sexually transmitted infections, sex education. They they um they do counselling for those after abortions, uh, and so that's for people who have like abortions as a result of rape or something. But also those who or even yeah yeah who have had to have their baby removed because maybe their financial situation or isn't right. It's especially I know that um I've seen it before where people have been quite traumatised because. Mm their life was at risk with their child and then obviously they had to get a um abortion yeah and then i can't imagine the guilt that if it's especially if it's a child that you wanted mm. like i'm getting quite upset because that breaks my heart the thought of that mm. because you know i've literally just had like a baby born into the family and i can't imagine what it would be like if mm. the mother was at risk that yeah sorry i'm yeah, getting a no, bit don't worry. um you know Another thing that Planned Parenthood are doing, and don't quote me on this, I did see it somewhere, they were actually even like helping with the COVID testing, you know? So they're not just for abortions. Mm. Well, yeah. apparently they're also for fucking self defense or whatever at this yeah, point. It's because everything! It's, it's crazy. <laughs> they have cr- to. It's crazy that a place that is there for medical reasons mm-hmm. has to implement security. I think it's because it's for free. <laughs> Americans don't like that free healthcare. Yeah, they don't like free healthcare, <laughs> that is true. Uh, I do want to say that all these pro-lifers shaming women for having abortions or even going to Planned Parenthood should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that clump of cells is alive to you and is a human to you, what about those 400,000 children in foster care that need a family and that they're human too? They need your help more than that clump of cells that has no connection to you. Well, not even that, though, as well. There's been... I, um, I'm in a group on Facebook and it's conservatives getting angry at things that don't exist. Mm. It's the funniest group I'm in. And um, it was a post someone made and they posted it on like some pro-life page and they were like, if this isn't a child to you, then um, blah, blah, you know, you're a monster, whatever. And the guy posted a picture of a dog embryo. <laughs> and oh, they, they, they were all getting like, that's a baby, yeah. that's a person, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, lol, by the way, that's a dog. <laughs> um... Uh, actually, another thing, uh, going along that, you know, that stupidity of people who aren't educated but will petition for these things is mm. I saw this post of this guy uh, in an anti-vaxxer group and he posted the, is it the chemical composition of an apple? Is that what it is? Or something about the apple, what like nutrients it has inside mm. of it and said, do you want your child to be injected with yes. this? And then everyone's like, absolutely not. I'm that an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. This. Vaccines are that. He goes, well, I just listed an apple. Yes, it was the minerals and, um, yeah, the different chem that build up, like, apple juice, essentially, mm-hmm. or something, wasn't it? It was, oh, that was, I remember seeing that, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, I would like to talk about Poland. 
right now. Of course, I have no idea, but you are Polish, <laughs> so I'm going to be quiet. Uh, so I remember my mum, ages ago, changed her Facebook profile to um, like a little uh, black border saying, I support women in Poland or something like that. And it was because of the fact that Poland were trying to ban abortions altogether. Uh, and that was ages ago. But they now and recently have tried to ban the aspect of being able to abort a pregnancy with uh, within the reason of fetal abnormality. So that's Down syndrome or the child will be born and suffer their whole life. They, they've tried to remove that aspect right I, now. I, I do think. find that as a hard conversation because obviously it, it I is. work with disabled people. Of course. And it would break my heart to think that any of them could have not been born. Because of that. But the thing is... Uh, you know, it's, I don't agree with it. I, I don't. I think it, it depends on the level of risk. And at the end of the day, I would be hypocritical to say that they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Exactly. And um, I don't think it's right. I don't agree with it. Mm. But in the end, that is that woman's body. That is that woman's life. And to be fair, I have seen the stress that, you know, have it, I, it's horrible. It's horrible. But I've seen the stress that it can lead to for some families. And it... You know, and it is also about financial as well. Exactly. And we're talking about women not being able to afford that. If somebody has a disabled child, it will lead to a lot more finance. And it could it could be enough to sort of break a family. And I think that is obviously important to think about. And it's horrible to have to think about or talk about. Because the support should be there in the first place. That they don't have to abort mm-hmm. the child. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, abortion in Poland is actually really strict anyway. The only reason you can have an abortion in Poland is if you're in danger as as the mother if if it's a case of rape but even then <laughs> someone else decides how intense that rape was and if you're allowed well, I mean if you're pregnant there's quite a clear <laughs> yeah. level of um, intensity isn't there uh, or any form of health is in jeopardy or if the fetus is and I'm quoting this irreparably damaged um, you know the um that despite women protesting, but physically, digitally, you know, petitions being signed, these restrictions on abortion are still being placed. And they're, they're worried uh, because, oh, oh, there's so many illegal abortions. Oh, do we pass this bill? Do we not? Because, oh, there'll be more. But right now, with these abortion laws in Poland allowing abortion in these cases, there is still more illegal abortions than legal ones. There's between 10,000 and 150,000 of illegal abortions in Poland compared to about 1,000 or 200 or 2,000 legal ones. It's like when, I can't remember which it is, but it's a Scandinavian country, and um, because they had a HIV and drug overdose epidemic, they set up safe havens where you're allowed to take drugs under the watch, yes. and then, but you would get support to get off it. And it worked, and it's, it's very evident that making things like this legal, because obviously they're different things, but the um the whole illegal abortions that are going on is pretty much the same sort of concept because they're doing it for them, you know, to support themselves, and then obviously a drug addict is doing it to support their addiction, and then they're dying because they're doing it unsafely, and it's the same, I'm sure, I don't know the figures, but I'm sure... There's so many deaths because of the illegal abortions. And all it takes is for them to make it legal to stop those mm-hmm. deaths. It's bizarre. It's so it's bizarre to me. It's control of yeah. women's bodies that, you know, a man doesn't have a say in. <laughs> again, it's that strange thing of culture and of, um, is, like, yeah. 
what's it called? Um, you know when a culture does stuff repeated repetitively. What's the word? You know, like bonfire know. night is a um tradition. That's it. It's the idea of tradition. And why do we keep these outdated traditions exactly. that just don't make sense? Is that like if we if we stuck to that? I mean, men over here would still be able to beat a woman with a cane mm. the thickness of their thumb. You mm, know exactly. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, would like to now uh, cover the topic of male doctors not believing women, and I phrase it that way because, but it does extend to female doctors. <clears throat> but I phrase it that way because I've experienced it mm-hmm. and I've done quite a lot of research about it. Uh, women actually wait longer for pain medication than men. They wait longer to be diagnosed with cancer, and they're more likely uh, to have their physical symptoms be ascribed to mental health issues and hypochondria and they're actually likely to have their heart disease misdiagnosed or become disabled after a stroke and suffer illnesses ignored or denied by medical professionals. Uh, My mum, she was diagnosed with endometriosis uh, but not before being diagnosed with a cyst on her um, one of her ovaries which she was complaining about for five or six years. Mum, uh, and I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this, Mum had, um, the, the cyst was so bad that I'd have to hold my own mother up so she could pass some urine, you know? I remember the first thing she did after her operation is she peed for as long as she could. <laughs> Just emptied, emptied herself out. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Mum wasn't believed for the longest time until she went to a private doctor. Uh, the NHS didn't believe my mum at all. They wouldn't do anything uh, about it. And when mum finally went to a professional doctor, uh, a, a professional, I say, uh, a private doctor, um, that was, you know... Well, that's helped. embarrassing as well, because yeah. when you look at the fact that Britain prides itself for its free healthcare, yeah, exactly. your mum had to turn around to... Yeah, yeah. To um, and I don't one. know if that's a, that's a case of her also being an immigrant. You know. Yeah, well, I am. Um, I'm not going to mention details, but I had a family member who um has disabilities, and they had a issue. I can't remember the name. It's got some long-winded medical name, mm-hmm. but it's essentially an issue with nerves up the side of the face and in the brain. Bell's palsy. Sorry. Bell's palsy. I had that as well. No, thank you. It's no? a really rare thing, but okay. um, and they just kept saying it was their wisdom teeth. Mm. And they like did an operation to take out the wisdom teeth that yeah. were quite obviously not an issue because you can see when wisdom teeth are an issue. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, "Well, it's still there," and yeah. it's, just, it's purely because they just weren't really listening. Exactly, exactly. Um, actually, after my mum um had this uh, cyst removed, uh, the private doctor found um cancer, ovarian cancer, um. And I do apologise, it's quite hard for me to talk about this. Um, But she went to the NHS, because that's what the private doctor said, and they said, no, there's been no cancer cells found. And I was like, all right, then how did the private doctor find them, you know? And it actually took my mum forever, and a lot of testing, uh, telling her that she doesn't have it, with the private testing her she does have it, telling her she does have it. And um, and she actually had to go to Macmillan Cancer Support. Big up. <laughs> they really helped my mum. Uh, and then when they finally pushed for it, 
the NHS went, oh wait, she actually does have it. <laughs> Magically, they found it's evidence. Just so upsetting, though, yeah. isn't it? Because that, that's such a stressful experience on its own. Mm. Like my stepdad recently, he didn't. They were like ninety-eight percent sure he didn't have cancer because he had mm-hmm. a lump on his neck, mm-hmm. and that was still stressful. That two yeah. percent chance, and you had someone telling you it was a hundred percent chance. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, oh. and I actually, in that sense, I do have to say that. Um, the doctor treating her was a male doctor and he was amazing and thank you <laughs> mm. but um it still doesn't change the fact that it's doctors sort of like don't the listen whole, to women the whole police mm-hmm. idea of you know they're not all bad but blah blah you know but what i there'll mean be one, there'll be people not believing yeah. but it's one big system that is bad and you can have an individual yeah. that's good all exactly. that kind of stuff uh my boyfriend's mom actually i asked her if she had any negative experiences with doctors and she actually found that it's female doctors that don't believe her and not male doctors um but I want to get to my story. Well, I is... think just before mm-hmm. you go on to that, that plays back, again, similar to the um, whole police thing, because mm-hmm. people say, oh, but then why do black police do it? And it's the whole way that the um, mentality and the way that the underlying biases work. Yeah. So it's not... Because obviously, if you went up to every single woman on the street, you know, 9.9999999 out of 10 of them are going to say, I would never do anything against another woman. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. But but then they do. It's And it's not something they consciously do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so my story, this actually happened two months ago. Um, and I might get a bit TMI here. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, but I suffer with really bad periods. And only now is something being done about it. I am nearly 20, and I have been having periods since I was 10. Um, so it's been a long time. Um, and I finally called the doctor because I'd had enough. I know I was curling up on the floor. I had to take my medication from my surgery to actually relieve me of the pain. You know, paracetamol, ibuprofen, nothing was working. I have to take really painful medication, you know, really strong, uh, pain medication. I've heard four girls say like as well, because I think this plays into the whole doctor thing is that they would just go and they'd say they were bad and they just throw... Codeine at them mm-hmm. and be yeah. like, there mm-hmm. you go, just take that yeah. and piss off. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I called, obviously there was a pandemic, so I had to call the doctor. And I was referred to the only free doctor, and he was a guy, at my doctor's surgery. And I explained what's happening. And I said, there's a history of endometriosis in my family. Because mm. I think my grandma, my mum's mum might have had something bad as well. And I said, I'm really scared. Can I please be booked in for a scan? And it's like with stomach issues. It may not be the same issue, but mm. it, if there's one stomach issue in the family, it passes. I imagine yeah, it's similar. Yeah, I, obviously, yeah. I don't know about and this. I, and I was scared about that. Mm. And I said that I'm scared that I might have endometriosis. And he didn't even let me finish my sentence and started um, interrupting me, obviously. And what, like putting, like, oh, no, it could be, like, yeah. putting ideas into But your... what he said is he started to explain to me, no absolutely not can it be endometriosis i was like but these are my pain symptoms and he said to me by the end of the phone call he said you're not listening to me but you're talking and i said no you're not listening to me (laughs) anyway it was a 20 minute phone call where he just mansplained everything to me but um he then proceeded to tell me that i don't want to know if i have endometriosis right now and explained to me the way that they get rid of endometriosis through keyhole surgery and zapping everything with a laser. He told me that that's how you check to see if you have endometriosis. He told me that to scare me into not asking for a scan. He essentially did a Trump. You yeah. know, with the, if you don't 
if you don't test it, it doesn't exist. Basically, That's... basically, yeah. and I was really scared, and and then after he just kept mansplaining it to me and mansplaining. My mum was actually with me, and she has had her first show obviously with doctors not mm. believing her. And she had had enough. Well, if your mum's anything like you, you're a bloody fighter. So yeah. I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side <laughs> Obviously, of her I was crying, crawling up in pain, so I couldn't yeah. quite. But uh, she grabbed the phone off of me and she said, you're not listening to her. Um, and she just said to him, you are going to give her a scan right now. And, oh my God, magically, he set a scan. <laughs> but a month later, I still haven't had a letter from it. So I had to really chase up that letter. He did put it in. Um, but... I guess he, he put it going on. He didn't put no no. No. Uh, he so it wasn't delayed because of anything no, going on. He put oh, me okay. down as a routine appointment, which means non urgent. Uh so I called and obviously uh I kind of played a sob story on the receptionist. I said, Is there any way I, I, I the thing is though it was a sob story, yes, but I wasn't in pain. It was, you mm. know, the, the next day of my period. Uh and next month. Um and and she said, Well, let me see what I can do. And like that. She found me a uh, an appointment in uh, a health centre, not a surgery or mm. a hospital, where actually the Princess Anne Hospital people were there doing like a little open date. And all of a sudden, I had my scan, and okay, I don't have endometriosis, yeah. but I have really bad uh, cysts on one of my ovaries. You know, that's which... why everything should be double-checked as well. Mm. Like, one doctor shouldn't be allowed to make these decisions. I got put, obviously it's a different thing, mm-hmm. but I got put on horribly strong medication. Yeah. And um, that really messed me up. And when I spoke to a second doctor from the same GP, she said, I would have never given you that. And obviously, mm-hmm. I don't blame the doctor because he thought he was doing what was best for me. He decided that the risk outweighed the... Mm-hmm. No, the good outweighed the, whisk, the risks even. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, things should be double-checked like that. And it's just terrible that it is, because it doesn't take anything more than just reading a quick report and ticking it or crossing it exactly and speaking of reports and doctors and not having a second opinion uh i want to read out a a story i saw on reddit and i will read it out word for word but we also post the uh the the thing i'm reading off of i mean this is anonymous so for all we know this is a load of rubbish but we're going to make the assumption it's true and with like you said uh, you uh, you think said earlier that you're not quite sure about that but the fact that it's believable yeah exactly the fact that it's believable is very worrying so um so it says autopsy doctors of reddit what was the biggest revelation you had to a person's death after you carried out the procedure and there's someone that commented going i assisted with a post-mortem when i was a student the female patient had died in her 40s her medical history had extensive complaints of abdominal pains. One doctor even re- referred to her as a hypochondriac. Others commented on her apparent anxiety. When they were doing the autopsy, they opened her abdomen and she had extensive scar tissue and she was absolutely massacred inside from endometriosis. She suffered for decades and never even got referred uh, for a laparoscopy. She didn't have fucking anxiety. She had a medical condition. Like I said, I read that word for word. But the fact that, like I said, might not be true, but the f- it is yeah. believable, isn't it? Well, and the thing is as well, like you look at, um, you know, like I said earlier, my stepdad went in. They mm. were they said they're ninety eight percent or whatever sure that it was a cancer, and he still got screened for that, and that's a good thing. And um, obviously, that shows you that there's no reason for them not mm. to scan because 
they're perfectly able to with that. Like, I'm, I'm a physicist. I know how the medical physics stuff works. It's not fucking difficult. Yeah. It's turning on a machine and sitting them in there. And I can tell you that in my notes, after that phone call, that male doctor, because my mum shouted at him to give me a scan, he did, but I bet he'll, he would have put me down as a hypochondriac. Bet you. Because he, the whole time... I was crying over the phone. I was, you know, kind of screaming in pain. It's really bad. Well, that's not how a hypochondriac even works. So they've, exactly. they've quite blatantly misdiagnosed you there because a hypochondriac is like someone who convinces themselves that they've got it. You were concerned that you could have it. Exactly. You didn't believe that you had it. You believed there was a possibility. And that is not... So if they have put that, then that's blatant just misdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're at the end now. Um... Can you, as a listener, or as just anyone, uh, help any of the things we mentioned today? And you can. <laughs> you can go through ActionAid and sponsor a child, like I said, for 65p a day. Or it's nineteen fifty a month, I think. Um, if your place of study or, or, or work has uh, baskets to take period products for yourself or leave some, please also, do. Also, just going to say, if they don't, tell them to tell them yeah, yeah yeah tell them you know talk to your student union no one's really no one's going to say no to that mm. are they there's no reason not to because it's just a basket in a room mm-hmm. uh uh if you're at the end of your period or you don't get periods anymore for whatever reason like a contraceptive pill or or any other contraception or you just stop having periods and you have some leftovers please place them there you know you, you don't know how you might help another person uh, and like Patrick said, ask your place of education or work to actually do something like that. Set it up yourself. But on top of that, not just ask them to do something like that. Ask them to do something like what we've just done and discuss with you yeah. and um, teach everyone. Because like, I think it's because obviously there's lots of other uh, issues that women face. And I think this is quite a good way to introduce people to it, because where mm-hmm. it's a medical issue, um, people will, you know, as it's scientific, People are going to, do you get what I mean? People are going to listen to it. Mm. And then hopefully that could open their eyes to more female issues that are out there. Yeah. Uh, and there's petitions that you can sign. There is the end. Let's stop period poverty that you can sign. Uh, you know, join the urgent call to give free sanitary pads to those that need it. And please visit the website, The Homeless Period, to find out more about that and how homeless women and uh homeless people i should say experience um periods and and all of that and please join us next week for an episode on the environment just before that i can't i'm thinking about what you just said and i can't imagine how sort of scary it must be for a homeless person Hmm. because obviously you don't have any you don't have your own safe space quite often if you're homeless and that's quite a dehumanizing sort of feeling that Cause I, I couldn't, it's sort of like, you know, I wouldn't want to change my boxes in public or like in, in a bush or something. So I can't imagine quite how painful that could be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, join us next week for an episode on the environment. Yeah.